Welcome to Pathway to Faith Podcast, the media ministry of Harvest Church International Outreach, where we elevate and nurture families through the Word of God. We are so glad that you are here and believe that God will change your life through today's message. Let's listen. Today, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I want to minister something that's burning in my heart. For those of you tuned in for the first time and you don't know who I am, hopefully the video department's got my name somewhere floating at the bottom. But it's really not important because today I want to introduce you to a man who's better than any man you'll ever meet. And he's a man for men and women because he said, whosoever shall call on this man their life will be changed. Today, I want to minister on a particular subject. And the title of my message is Celebrate Your Need. Celebrate Your Need. Capital N-E-E-D. Celebrate Your Need. Well, it's no sense in me ministering today if we don't have any needs. Is there anybody here that have a need this morning? Can I see your hand? Ooh-wee. Anybody got more than one? Hallelujah. Tell your kids to raise their hands because they need you to keep providing for them. <laughs> Glory to God. Well, let's go ahead. Ooh, there it is. Celebrate your need. Pastor Steve Howells. Or some of you call me Hoopy. I'm not mad at you. <laughs> Nugget number one. Let's, let's get busy. Nugget number one. Ready? Read. Can I see your hand this morning? If you have a need... And something's wrong. I don't want to be around somebody who don't have a need. Because not having a need is dangerous. You have the propensity to forget God when you don't have needs. Read nugget number one again, please. Your specific need is a strategy to meet the needs of others. Nugget number two. Read it like God's talking to you. Well, no, you won't read it loud. Read it like God is talking to the person you're sitting next to. You read it loud now. Ready? Read. There are some things... There are some things you want. And some people got what they wanted and found out they didn't need it. Mm. Nugget number three before we lose the crowd. Nugget number three. Ready? Read. Need has a 
has a season to be fulfilled. Can I see the hands of the people this morning who got a need? And that need looked like it's never going to be answered. But the Lord brought me here to tell you today that your answer is on the way because need have a season. You're going to make me preach in a minute. Need have a season to be fulfilled. Nugget number four. Come on, church. Come on now. Need it work together. Nugget number five. I'm going to nugget you to, to life this morning. I almost said what your cousin say to death. We don't say death. We say the life. I'm, I'm going to nugget you to life. Nugget number five. Ready? Read. you ever say you don't need your pastor and get away from folk who don't need me if they're in your church <clears throat> nugget number six I told you come on say, say vindictive Okay, that was for the people who don't know what that word means. Couldn't say it. Now, let's say it all together. Ready? Read. Jesus. God is not vindictive. He will not permit a need to appear on his own. God never allows a need unless there is a solution. And the solution have a season to manifest. God. Is that enough nuggets? Somebody said one more. All right, number seven. Ready? Read. on bless his name. Quit acting like you're Baptist like I am and start acting Pentecostal. Act like you were in the upper room on the day of Pentecost and there came a great rushing mighty wind that fell on each of them and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. Oh bless his name. Oh magnify the Lord with me. Let us Jesus. Come on, say it again. Need is a sign that God is about to send a supply. Come on, tell your neighbor. Neighbor, need is a supply. It's a sign that God is about to supply your need. Come on, tell your other neighbor. Need is a sign. Need is a sign. 
a sign. Need is, don't get depressed. Need is a sign. Need is a sign that God is about to release a blessing in your life. You may need your husband to change the way he's acting. You may need your wife to start cooking dinner. Need. Oh, Jesus. Please be seated. Mm -hmm. Good God of mercy. We can go home now. Because I came in here feeling one way because I had a need. And I realized instead of being sad over my need, I ought to be celebrating. Oh, God. For the mere fact I got a need, that's a sign God is still dealing with me. Good God of mercy. Let's go to a, a particular passage of scripture. Let's go to Philippians chapter 4. Good God of mercy. Can, can I take my coat off? Yeah. I just wanted to show off now that I've shown off. I'm ready to preach now. Glory to God. Look at Philippians chapter 4. Can I take my shoes off? Look at all right now. Y'all don't know what that means if you're not Baptist. She said, well, in the Baptist church, we say, well, that means move on to something else. <laughs> Look at verse uh, Philippians chapter 4. Something's going to happen up in here today. I'm telling you, somebody came in here depressed because they had a need. Now they got revelation that the only reason I need something is a sign that God is still dealing with me. God is still involved in my life. Are you in Philippians chapter 4? Let's look at this. Paul talking to the church at Philippi. Do you have a need? I said, do you have a need? Tell at least two people, I have a need. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Well, not only did that person hear you, but God heard you. Glory to God. Are you ready? <clears throat> Let's look at the Philippians 4, verse 19. And Paul, talking to the church at Philippi, which was a very special, special church in the heart of Apostle. Apostle Paul loved the church at Philippi. I mean, he, he really loved the people at Philippi. As a matter of fact, if you study the epistles of Paul, you, you'll see for yourself how much he loved the church at Philippi because Philippi didn't give Apostle Paul a lot of trouble like some church members. Uh, the, the members at Philippi, they didn't talk bad about Apostle Paul. And the, the church at Philippi uh, didn't hold uh, special, special meetings at Cracker Barrel 
or in their homes with other members, uh, asking other members in the church behind the pastor's back, I wonder what he's doing with the money. You know, I mean, you, you, come on now, y'all know some folk like that that used to be in your past who would invite you over and you think they're inviting you over one thing, but, but, but the real reason they invited you over, they're, they're questioning the leadership of the pastor. And what happened? Y'all were excited a moment ago. Well, anyway, Paul, uh, he loved the believers at Philippi. And, and Paul is thinking in this passage of scripture, Paul is thinking about the church at Philippi. He's thinking about their sacrifice. He's thinking about how they give and how they supply sacrificially his need personally and for ministry. And out of that is birthed by the Holy Ghost. He says this, Verse 19, and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. Come on, church. So Paul assures them that God would supply all their needs. I stand flat-footed at 4300 North Corrington Avenue in Kansas City, Missouri, and declare on this Sunday morning to those who qualify like these church folk qualify in the book of Philippians, according to Apostle Paul, if he can say it, I can say it too. And so in the name of Jesus, those of you who have been sacrificially tithing in this ministry and giving faithfully in your offering, I declare I'm not talking about your God unless your God is my God, but I'm talking about my God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God that I serve. He created everything. All the gold and the silver belong to my God. The cattle on a thousand hills belong to my God, and my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. Oh, Jesus. Come on, touch three people and tell them, say, your needs are getting ready to be met. Your needs are getting ready to be met. Your needs are getting ready to be met. Yeah, somebody need a house. Somebody need a job. Somebody need peace in their family. Somebody need a healing. Somebody need deliverance. Somebody need a breakthrough. I command every need to be met in the house today. I command every need to be met in the house today in the name of Jesus. 
I need my husband to straighten up. I need my wife to cook dinner. Come on, ladies, don't back up on me now. A brother right now, he wants to dance, but he's scared because he needs his wife to cook. <laughs> please, please have a seat. But she needs you to bring some money home. Notice Apostle Paul in this passage of scripture, he said that my God shall supply all your needs. But notice he did not say he will supply all your wants. Oh, Jesus. Look at somebody and smile. Show them your 32s, your 22s, your 10s. Some of you just got two. <laughs> it's over in this section. <laughs> mm -hmm. Say, neighbor, there are some things you want, but you don't need. This is not my message, so I don't want to spend any real laboring time on this. But have you ever got something you want? <laughs> Come on. I told you it was this section. <laughs> got a man you wanted? Got a woman you wanted? Got a car you wanted only to discover? Is this blessing anybody at all? Yes. Say it. The power, the power of, need, of need, the force, the force of, supply. of supply. Wherever there is a need, there will always be a force of supply. Let's, let's go to... Uh, you know, when I scratch my head, something is on. And I'm scratching a little longer than I normally do because I'm not used to scratching it and not feeling anything. <laughs> but don't laugh too loud now because if the Lord tarries, and I may not be here to see it personally, but one day you will join the club. <laughs> so don't laugh too hard. Somebody said, I don't receive that. It don't make any difference. <laughs> the power of need, the force of supply. Or, or go to Genesis 30. Are you there? Genesis 30. Genesis 30. Is it on the screen? Genesis 30. There we go. Verse number one. Ready? 
Let's learn something now. Now, when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister, you know, Leah, and said to Jacob, her husband, give me children or else I die. There is something detestable about anything that don't produce. There's, there's something about a church that don't grow. There's something about a family that doesn't grow. There's something about a plant in a pot that you're watering and you're even speaking to it, but that thing won't grow. Because we know everything that has life in it should be producing something. And it's not God's will for Harvest Church just to remain just a few folk. The Bible says that God's house should be full and overflowing. So anything that God is in, it should be producing. And Rachel understood this reality, that I am married to this man, and we're doing what married folk do. Married folk, not single folk. There's some things married folk do designed and orchestrated and ordained by God that single folk are not supposed to do until they get in covenant. Ooh, Jesus. I cancel the culture if the culture is anti-Christ. So Rachel says, Give me children, least I die. She is saying to her husband, I'm giving myself to you. And I'm giving my, anybody ever just been given to somebody and then given to somebody? Yeah, this must be the section. And given to somebody and they don't give you anything back. They just always making a withdrawal. They're always taking. Come on, talk to me. And whenever you're in a relationship where they're always taken from you and, and, and they never give you anything, it makes you feel like a prostitute. It makes you feel used. Like, like you don't really love me, you're just using me. You, 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 didn't, you didn't marry me because you love me, you just think I look good on your arm. Or there are certain political or business positions that you can't get as a single man that you have to go there with a wife on your arm. So you just married me for your own convenience. Ooh, Jesus. Or you married me for my money. Anybody, any married women in here? If your husband is here, even if he's not here, just say it by faith. Say, hubby. Did you marry me for my money? 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, some of you didn't even say anything. I'm praying for you. Because that means there's trouble in the city. Yeah, that means trouble's in the city. Ooh, Jesus. L- let's go on, God. She says, I'm giving and giving in this marriage, but it's not producing. God, I didn't sign up for this. I married him because I wanted to continue his lineage, his name. And you all know the story that Jacob wanted Rachel, but he got tricked and got in bed with Leah because it was Jewish custom that the oldest daughter had to be married off first. Are you listening to me? And Jacob laying with Leah, I mean, she was having babies like popcorn. Pop, 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 pop. But, but he got tricked and he wanted Rachel. And then finally, he got Rachel. But when he got Rachel, they were having no children. Are you listening to me? And anything that is of God, it is supposed to produce. Somebody say amen Amen. to this truth. Look at verse number two. And Jacob's anger was aroused against Rachel. And he said, am I in the place of God who has withheld from you? Sounds like Adam, doesn't it? Who has withheld from you the fruit of your womb? Question mark. So Jacob is saying to Rachel, why are you fussing at me? I'm doing my part. And it's clear from your sister that my stuff works. Oh, Jesus. You do not talk to a woman about her sister like that without it being trouble in the house. So Jacob fires back at Rachel. What do you, you think I'm God? You think I'm withholding you from becoming pregnant and producing a child? We don't have time to really work with all this. Drop down to verse 22. Look at verse 22. God, are you there? Then God, what? Who did he remember? He remembered Rachel. And God, come on. So he remembered her and he listened to her. And open. So God did three things for Rachel. He remembered her. He listened to her. And he opened her womb. Good God of mercy. And she conceived and bore a son and said, 
God has taken away my reproach. So she called his name Joseph and said, the Lord shall add to me. Come on now. The Lord shall add to me what? Listen, look at this. You're going to have what you say. She said, the Lord shall add to me when she should have said, the Lord is going to add to me other sons. And because she didn't ask for sons, she only asked for a son, she had the son and died. When she could have had sons and daughters, be careful what you ask for. Good God of mercy. Is this helping anybody at all? So, so God, so God remembered Rachel, yes. What else? He what? He listened to Rachel and what else? And he opened, he opened her womb. And when he opened her womb, the Bible says that Rachel had a son. Somebody's womb is about to be opened this morning in this service. And that thing that you're supposed to birth, you're going to conceive it. And you're going to produce it. Go to Ecclesiastes chapter 3 as we try to close. I said try to close. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Are you there? Look at verse number 1. Look on the screen. Ready? Read. To what? To what? To everything there is a season. A time for every purpose under heaven. So seasons have or needs have a season to be fulfilled. Good God of mercy. The Message Bible says it like this. A right time for everything on the earth. The Message Bible says there's a right time. So you don't want you don't want your need met at the wrong time. Ooh, Jesus. There, there is a right time. And what I love about God, you and I, we don't know the right time. Because we think the right time is always right now. And so the devil knows that, so he sends you an Ishmael. Because you don't know the times. So because you don't know the times, you're saying, I do, to somebody you should be saying, I don't. You're saying, I will, to a situation where you say, should be saying, I can't. But you don't understand the seasons. 
Are you listening to me? So God is telling you and I, our lives are like the seasons. That there's a time when it's winter. There's a time when it's spring. There's a time when it's fall. And come on now. In Kansas City, it's a time when it's summer. Jesus. I was as fair-skinned as Sister Watch yesterday, and I went outside. Da-da. There's a season. But I'm going to lighten up in a little bit because fall's coming. All I'm trying to get you to see, you, you become discouraged over a need because you don't understand that God knows you have a need and he does not allow a need unless he's already made a supply. But the manifestation of the supply can only manifest at the right season. Oh, Jesus. And we all have needs because God built it into the system. Boy, this is good. I share with you, some of you look like you or sounded like you struggled with it when I said that need and faith work together. Because need and faith work together. Because if you have anything you want, you have, you have no need. Listen, if you have everything you want, are you listening to me? It's, that's the danger. That's, that's the danger many times of becoming rich without the character. Because you can get enough money if you don't know who supplied it. It's, it's always a danger to have so much that you don't feel like you have any need. Because the point you get to a place where you don't feel like you have any need, you start forgetting God. The Bible said it is easy for a rich man to go through an eye or a camel to go through an eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter into. It doesn't mean if you're rich you can't go to heaven. It's just that you have such a great temptation of trusting your money. And you always know that you're trusting money is when God asks for it, you won't give it. Good God of mercy. Is this blessing anybody? I said, is this blessing anybody? Hallelujah to Jesus. So because you have everything you want, you have no need to trust God. I'm not trusting God for a car. Why? I got a car. I'm just trusting that at a start. Give me where I need to go. Why? Because that's the, that need has already been supplied. That's the danger when you got all your needs met. Because once you get all your needs met, why do you need to pray? 
when, when, you, when, you're, when you have all your needs met, what still drives you to your knees to talk with God? Most of the time, we don't really pray until we get in trouble. And I'm telling you, you can get in a situation that it'll get you up out of your bed at your prayer time and put you back on your knees. I get on my knees today, and I'm almost 70 years old. I get on my knees today because that's where my daddy taught me how to pray, on the side of the bed. Now lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. I didn't read that in the book. My daddy taught me that prayer. Not my mama, not my uncle, not Reverend Benton. My daddy taught me that prayer. And we went over that prayer every night on the side of the bed in that shack that had no lights and no running water in it. I sat on the side of that dirty bed where the sheets probably only got washed maybe once a year or once every year and a half. But I sat on the side of that bed on my knees and my daddy stood over me and said, say this. And I said that prayer for I don't know how many years till one day I was on my knees and I got embarrassed in the presence of God like I should have added something to this prayer by now. I'm 20-something years old still. Have a, now, Lord, lay me down to sleep. I know too much Bible to be still saying that prayer. But he wasn't teaching me to stop there. He was teaching me as a father to his son the importance of talking to God. And I still talk to God today. And I thank him for my father, Mr. Jonesy, who taught me the importance of talking to Jehovah God. Poor Jesus. Is this blessing anybody at all? Now let's close with this. This, this, is, this is a real closing. Let, let go to the uh, last book of Moses, chapter 8, the last book of the law. The last book of the law, chapter 8, or the fifth book of the Pentateuch. And for some, Deuteronomy, chapter 8. And let's look at something. Well, this is this is it. This is it. This is it. This morning, there's somebody. The Spirit of the Lord is talking to you. And you may not have all your needs addressed yet. And you may not have everything you want. But you have enough going on in your life now where now you have become casual when it comes to God. You're so blessed now that you just don't have that fervor like you used to have because you got a little bit of stuff. Oh, Jesus. Used to be church on time. Because <laughs> things were rough. <laughs> I mean, used to be at church all the time. Get here early because there was no other place more important to you than being in the house of God on the Sabbath. 
But now, you know, everything is not, you know, the way you want it. But, but there's, there's enough stuff in the house now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm not praying for food in the cupboard. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not praying for gas money. I'm not praying for this anymore, and I'm not praying for that anymore, and I have accumulated enough stuff now where I just really find, by and large, I don't pray like I used to. Because the things that used to inspire me to pray, I have them now. So whenever I get to church, Reverend Howe ought to be glad that I showed up. And God too. Because I could have stayed home. Like some have done. until a crisis hit and it's coming because life is full of crisis. Don't, don't look at me funny. You're either in a crisis, just came out of a crisis, or heading to a crisis. And whatever stage you're in concerning crisis, you're going to need God in all three phases. You're going to need him going to it. You're going to know, certainly need him in it. And you can try to make it without him when you come out of it. But it won't be long you'll call him again because you'll go into another one. And crisis does not come to destroy you but to make you. To show you that you're stronger today than you were yesterday. And devil, the trick you pulled on me last year, it don't work this year. And the stuff that used to pull me into a depression or an oppression, that mess don't work no more. I've grown bigger than that. That crisis didn't destroy me. It made me love God even more. Jesus, preach boy. Deuteronomy 8, are you there? Yes, sir. Look at verse number 10. When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he's given you. Beware that you do not forget Come on now, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on. Don't hold on now. You tell me when we cry out to God to bless us, that when he, when he manifests the blessing, now he's got to warn us not to forget him? Jesus. You mean when, when we cry out to God to bless our lives, when we enter into a land of blessing, now God's got to warn us 
that you, now you're in the house and God's got to warn you? When you got the car, you got the job, you got a little bank account, and now God said, I got to warn you? When things were real bad and you're crying every night, your pillow's wet in the morning, and now I've dried your tears, and now I, I got to warn you? God, why do you have to warn me after you bless me? And so the word of God says, beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, his statutes, which I command you this day. The moment a person moves away from need, your faith in God begins to dissipate. I said something right there that was shouting ground. The moment you move away from need, your faith and trust in God begins to dissipate. And those of you who've been here a while, who've watched me over the years, I have guarded that with my life. And by and large, I don't act any different now than I did at 350 Highway or 5899 Raytown World. Because God has blessed me, but I made a decision that no matter how much he blessed me, I'll never forget where he brought me from. And every time I think about where God has brought me from, my mouth feels filled with praise and thanksgiving to God Almighty. I drive what I drive because God is good. I live in a house because God is good. My shoes aren't ragged anymore because God is good. And you saw me when I was raising my children in this church when I started dancing, I made my kids dance. I would tell them, get up off the pew and dance with your daddy. Because the only reason you're living the life you're living is because of the God that I serve. And you don't know him like that yet. But until you learn him like that, you're going to dance. Then you heard me tell him, dance for what God has done for your daddy. Because my children don't know what it's like to live in a house with no lights and no running water and an outhouse. But your daddy does. And the God I serve, he brought me from that to where I am today. And so the pot you sit on, God gave it to us. You don't have to go to an outhouse, Stephen, or Justin, or Darrell, or Benjamin, or Jonathan, or Krista, because the Lord has blessed your daddy with in-the-house plumbing.
You don't know anything about being hungry, but your daddy does. Your daddy dung worms out of the ground and sold them to the bake store so that he could get, don't you feel sorry for me? That was my journey. And God had to take me through all of that so that I could be here today to preach to you. Need makes you depend on God and one another. Oh, Jesus. And in your own study time in Philippians, you'll read where Paul talks about there are some needs that will cause you to suffer. Some needs will cause you to suffer. Let's close now. I'm a Baptist boy. I get three closings. Look at John chapter 4. John chapter 4. There's nothing you've been through that God's not going to use for his glory. There's no mistake you've ever made and I made some big ones. As a matter of fact, my mistakes were so big, they didn't call them mistakes. They called them boo-boos. I remember when I didn't look like at all what I am doing today. You didn't hear me? I said, I remember. When I didn't look like, I didn't act like, I didn't talk like, I didn't walk like, the places I went wasn't the right places like, what I'm doing today. And while I was acting a fool, God never got nervous. Because he knew my foolishness. But I feel like dancing. <laughs> he knew it was only for a season. Oh, John chapter 4. Let's close on this because the kids are hungry. John chapter 4. Some mother said they can wait. John chapter 4. You there? Look at verse 4. I'm just going to sit down. Minister Orford, just get ready to pull me down. But he needed, talking about Jesus, he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground. Here we go again. Remember Jacob Rachel? that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Boy, I could work with it, but. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being weary from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about 
the sixth hour, 12 noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city. Come on, talk to me. So the disciples think Jesus needs food. And the woman thinks she needs water. Go ahead, boy. The woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you being a Jew is asking drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So the woman cannot work with you. So this loose woman thinks that Jesus is doing small, small talk with her because he may want a favor later. Because she's used to men hitting on her. And so she thinks Jesus is small talking with her. And she says to him, why, why, are you, why, why are you talking to me? Uh, you know your custom. You Jews, you don't have anything to do with mixed race people. A Samaritan was a mixture of Jew and Gentile. And the custom of the Jew is that Gentiles were dogs because they were out of covenant. So the girl is thinking in her mind, the only, get this, the only reason this Jew is talking to me is because nobody's around. And he can get some of this without anybody knowing. Now, 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 just, just, just use your imagination. I believe the girl had something physically. You see, there you go. <laughs> the reason I believe the girl had something, she had one husband, two, three, four. But the girl got something that's working. How many have you caught? So in her natural mind, she's thinking, this is just another man who want to get with me because I'm fine. I'm sure her walking to the well, her stuff was popping. And it's clear Jesus saw her, that he saw her coming. Are you listening to me? Is this helping anybody? To, to get the picture. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me a drink, you remember, need and supply. 
If you knew who says to you, give me drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get the living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but the water, uh, but whoever drinks of this water that I shall give will never thirst again. But it will be to him as a fountain of water springing up into everlasting. And look what the woman said in verse 15. Then the woman said to him, sir, give me this water. Our time is, is really gone. What I want you to see today, if you don't get revelation, you don't understand what this text is about. You'll walk out of these doors thinking that this message that I just read or these verses was about water and food. And I'm here to tell you this morning that Jesus didn't need food and that woman didn't need water. Jesus. Are you listening to me? When Jesus saw her coming, well, you, you got to see this part. Well, we know about it. Boy, y'all pressing me. The woman answered and said, I have. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water. And go, go, go. Then Jesus said, go, verse 15, 16, go call your husband. Oh, Jesus. Jesus working on it. Jesus said, I tell you what, go call your husband. Tell him to come here. She said, uh, uh, I, don't, I don't have no husband. Jesus said, you said right, you had five. Oh, God. The, listen, saints. This is not Jesus talking to a hooker, trying to get her off the block. This is deeper than that. And these five husbands is more than just physical identification. There's a spiritual thing going on about these five husbands. She's gone through these five men. She, she went through husband number one because he didn't satisfy. And, and husband number one represented the dispensation of innocence. And then the, she, had, she had the second husband. And the second husband represented the dispensation of conscience. And the need wasn't met. And her third husband represented the dispensation of human government. And with all of government, not, the need was not satisfied. Then her fourth husband represented the dispensation of promise. And she still wasn't satisfied. And then her fifth husband represented the dispensation of the law. And she wasn't satisfied. Now she's bumped into a sixth man. 
but she can't marry the sixth man, which is Jesus, because Jesus represents grace. And she can't marry grace because grace hasn't been given yet, because Jesus hadn't died and rose from the grave and ascended to heaven. That's why all the husbands didn't satisfy. So the woman doesn't need water. Isn't that what I said earlier? And Jesus doesn't need food. Well then, why are they meeting? And why did Jesus send the disciples into the city to get food, to get them out of the way? And why did this woman come at a time when Jesus is sitting on the well? And we could preach on a whale sitting on a whale. And so Jesus is dealing with this woman, not that he needs water. He's dealing with this woman because he needs an evangelist. Jesus needs an evangelist, and this woman needs her ministry ignited. Jesus needed an evangelist to go to Samaria and talk about his goodness, and the Bible says that she shook up the whole city. Wasn't about water. Help me, Jesus. It wasn't about food. And all the hell you've been through, it wasn't even about you. All the mess you've had to put up with, you think it's about you. All the pressure you've been under, you think it's about you. That's why you're crying. Because you think it's about you. All the rejection you've been through in life, you're upset over it. You're scarred over it because you think your rejection that you went through was about you not realizing that every rejection you went through, God was preparing you for somebody else. And the reason that African Americans in America is walking around in confusion is because you are yet to get revelation as to why God allowed your forefathers and foremothers to be captured and brought to a land and put in slavery. And so we kill one another because we don't know why we're here. And 
and America is never going to be the nation that she is supposed to be until she gets revelation as to why the black man and the white man is here in this country. The slave masters thought they brought you here to pick cotton. But God brought you here to show America how to get out of darkness. Because if there's anybody who know how to praise God, it's black folk. I'm going to give you 10 seconds to do it right. I'm going to give you five seconds. And you look down through history. Whenever the church got in trouble, it was always a black man that God would raise up because the black race can see. When Jesus was carrying his cross and blood was in his eyes and he couldn't see his way, it was a black man who could see his way to Golgotha's hill. And America is in darkness. And until she recognizes her eyes, she will continue to grope around in darkness. You don't know a spiritual person till you run into a black woman who can really pray. I know what I'm talking about. She can tell you something that's going on in Alaska and never been there. That's why the enemy fights black women like no other women on the planet. Because nobody is more spiritual than you. In your home, throw a pillowcase, throw a flower, throw a bucket, throw a pan, but throw something. That's why the enemy fights overtime to try to make you feel insecure and insignificant and try to paint a picture like men want every other woman but you. The devil is a lie. I just want to throw it again. Come on, don't panic. Come on, man. Would somebody pick up something and just throw it? Somebody threw their husband, let me. So 
So now, today, whenever a need arises in your life, you're no longer going to be depressed or oppressed. Because whenever that need manifests, that's a sign to you that God, hey man, has got you on his list and you're next in line for a blessing. Is there anybody in the house that's got a need? Come on, man. I command every need in your life to be supplied. Thank you for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give generously and make this ministry outreach possible. Click the link in the description to give now or visit hcio.org slash podcast for more information. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Even tag us on social media at Harvest Church KC. Thanks again for listening.